just say it quietly, but Aston Villa have snuck into a title race. And after deservedly beating the champions Manchester City in midweek, they now take on the leaders Arsenal. If they win the Unai Emery Classico, they'll move to within a point of the Gunners after 16 games, which is nearly half a season. They've won a staggering 13 straight home games in the Premier League. Can they make it 40? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Big game. We've got the big names in tipping to cover it, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, I've always felt Unai Emery didn't get enough time as the Arsenal boss. I always get quite a bit of stick for saying that. People saying, oh, no, he was terrible. He didn't do well at all. Uh, but he is now proving that he's an excellent coach. Yeah, 100%. Uh, perhaps it was the, the wrong job at the wrong time for Unai Emery at Arsenal. Um, you know, going after Arsenal Wenger, Arsenal were in a bit of a, a mess at that pe- particular period. And, um, yeah, things didn't really work out for him. But I, I think if there was a, a room in which myself, you and uh, Stinch were in and we had to discuss Unai Emery, I think you and I would be on one side of the corner uh, and Stinch would be battling the other side. But um, <laughs> he'll, uh, he has his own opinions. I've always been a, a big admirer of Unai Emery and I'm really pleased for him, especially last night or, or Wednesday evening when they got his first win over Pep Guardiola as a coach. It's been a long time coming. He's had a lot of close uh, encounters with Pep in the past and, and fallen short. But um, Villa were absolutely outstanding, weren't they? They were probably the, the best Villa performance I can remember, at least since smashing Liverpool for seven, but arguably better than that in, in theory and, and probably one of the best performances I've ever seen uh, against a Pep Guardiola-led Man City. Um, they were astonishingly good. And, you know, it's been borne out in the numbers. The first team to attempt at least 21 shots in a Premier League game against Pep's Man City to concede just two shots, both of which came from Haaland in that same move in the 11th minute and, and nothing else other than that. Um, you know, absolutely incredible, really. And in fairness, both produced uh, excellent saves from Martinez. But, you know, part, apart from that, City didn't really get a chance to do anything else. It was just one-way traffic. Uh, Villa dominated the duels, the collisions. They picked up the second balls. They were just tireless. They were feisty utterly relentless um, and the final score probably didn't do them justice even though the, the winning goal came from a deflected strike so um, yeah as you say they're four points off the top now coming into this weekend against Arsenal and you know things could start to look quite interesting if they were to to uh, enhance that winning streak the the equaling club record home winning streak now in, in the league uh, they scored in all 20 home Premier League matches under Unai Emery averaging 2.5 goals they've won 16 of those matches since he arrived at Villa Park they have only kept seven clean sheets in that 20-game sample. So BTTS has often been a, a big winner uh, at Villa Park in the Premier League. And if you look at their, their record so far this season, City were undoubtedly the, the toughest opponents to, to arrive at Villa Park. But they'd scored at least three goals in every other home league game and managed just one clean sheet before City arrived too. So matches involving Villa and the big boys also tend to be quite high scoring. Um, Arsenal did win here 4-2 last season. Villa have beaten Spurs 2-1, beaten Brighton 6-1 this season. They beat them 2-1 last year, beat Newcastle 3-0, lost 3-1 to Liverpool and beat Man United 3-1 under Emery. So all of those games, bar the Man City match, went over. Uh, and all bar two have seen BTTS obliged. So um, I think we could be in for a, an exciting, entertaining game of the weekend. Um, I think from an Arsenal perspective, they'll obviously be buzzing from the, the late win at Luton. 
where they were pretty good for the most part. And, you know, David Rea didn't cover himself in glory and the defending from set pieces was a, a concern. But um, Arsenal did dominate that match for, for the most part and, and didn't really deserve to concede three goals on the balance of play overall. Um, now, they were tested. They were part of, under huge pressure. Um, Luton um, were absolutely excellent out of possession in terms of just uh, nullifying Arsenal as best they possibly could. But Villa will do that in spades as well. So this is going to be a, a really interesting game. Um, Arsenal do have a, a very good away record in the Premier League going back to the start of last season and they've just started to sort of find their form a little bit too if you look at their their more recent performances you know dismissing Lons in the way they did and then they were actually excellent for 45 minutes against Wolves last weekend uh, and then yeah they should have really beaten Luton possibly at a bigger margin than the, the 4-3 suggested so um, yeah Arsenal do have a, a tendency to be a bit more controlled a bit more pragmatic on their travels but just judging by the Aston Villa performance in midweek and what we've seen from them over a large period of time now I'm not sure they're going to get that opportunity to play that way Villa will put them under pressure and um, yeah while Arsenal do have the slight rest advantage I can see this being uh, a goal heavy game and the market's already kind of moved for Aston Villa uh, a little bit so you know any sort of Villa based angles have, have kind of been eaten up overnight but um, I like the over two and a half goals angle here uh, it's 178 um, which feels like a, a really nice price considering the, the firepower that both teams have available to them Odds compiler and tipster Mark Stinch comes with us again. He's been referenced already. Stinch, as Mark has suggested, you're a bit more of an Emery sceptic, maybe. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, he went a whole season away at uh, Sevilla without picking up a, a win. The famous, obviously, throwing away a 4-0 first leg lead against Barcelona. Um, so maybe when he wins uh, a major trophy, um, I'm not not How dare you? You're suggesting the Europa yes. League is not a major trophy. <laughs> well, it's the it's the League Cup of the European Cups, right? Um, oh, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, what I'm, does I'm that not... make the Conference League, the Makita Trophy, maybe, or something <laughs> like that? LDV Vans. Um, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not like. Um, again, I'm not. I'm not out there to sort of uh, bash him or, or whatever. Every every most of the analysis is, is based on the uh, odds available. Um, and um, I was quite happy to to leave Man City at the prices, and I think that's the most interesting angle of this matchup coming so quick on the back of the the game against Man City that Villa then host Arsenal immediately. City actually went off shorter than the uh, 1.83 we were discussing on Monday. They went off around about 1.7, which tells you. Quite a lot about the fact that despite the fact they were missing Rodri, Grealish, De Bruyne, the markets and the fact that Villa had won 13 games in a row across all competitions, home games, the market's still not fully on board with, with Emery's Villa, it, it feels like, from from that perspective. However, you look at this weekend... And it's, it's quite strange in a way. City go away to Luton, who obviously Arsenal played in midweek. So we've got a great sample for looking at closing prices and in terms of ability. City are 1.18 away at uh, Luton at the moment. Arsenal were 1.22. So there's not a huge difference yet there. Yet Arsenal this weekend are 2.2 odds against, which is a massive difference compared to the, the 1.7 that City were. So I think if there's any bet to have... I know it might sound a bit strange to go, oh, how can you oppose a team that's win 14 games in a row at home? Well, 
it's all about price at the end of the day. Um, and I think potentially Arsenal minus a quarter around about the even money mark could be the, the way to go. I mean, that, that game that they played in uh, the mad game they played in February, which Arsenal came out 4-2 winners, they absolutely dominated. They had 20 shots to, to Villa 7. They created nearly three expected goals. And I know you could say that this Villa team has evolved since then. And you could maybe understand the 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 price that we're getting here on Arsenal. But is... Are, are, are we accepting that Villa are a, a top four team in, in ready to, to go? I, I'm not sure they're at that stage yet. And I don't think you find Arsenal often at these prices. So I'm not going to recommend Arsenal because clearly I can't read Unai Emery and Aston Villa properly. <laughs> but I, I think that could be the, the, the way to go. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be having a bet. Trader, tipster and renowned Egyptology scholar Emmett O'Keefe on the panel. Emmett, a trip to Villa Park now does feel like one of the toughest tests in the Premier League, but will it be for Arsenal? Yeah, this, this is a fascinating game. I think I kind of mentioned on the, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about when Chelsea played Man City, about Chelsea risking a hammering in terms of the style of football they played in order to, in order to get results. But Villa risked that same hammering that Chelsea did, but didn't give up any chances. Like they, they played dominant football without having the negative cost of giving up chances on the counter attack. And that again, we referred to Chelsea gave up three expected goals, but Bush had over three expected goals for themselves. So that was kind of a really helter skelter game. Whereas Villa were just so in control of City in a way, as Mark's outlined, that just very few teams in the kind of Guardiola era have been. Um, having said that, like Stinch said, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be totally sold on on kind of Villa as a as a kind of a Champions League side because Emery I think is he as as his record indicates he's brilliant at these kind of one off shock kind of home results. I was thinking of Villarreal against Bayern Munich in the Champions League a few years ago. He is he is a man for these kind of shock kind of trap type games maybe when the opposition isn't quite at their best but whether he can consistently get Villa into a top four but to be but but just the more you think about it, it might be a top top five might be enough for Champions League so yeah absolutely long, with the new Swiss model we've got next season yeah yeah despite um, Scott McTominay playing like a poor man's Michael Palak like I, I think the <laughs> I, I, I think my United, my United, my, uh, the fact that my United's, my United's numbers last night were more about how bad Chelsea were and how good they were and just as long as Chelsea and United are struggling there's a real opportunity for 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 Villa to get top five the bar in terms of points total might not be that might not be that high so that, I think that, that, that that's certainly kind of an, an achievable goal for Villa um, just in terms of last night's game customers might be interested in this that we had a selection in our odds on that market so Villa to win Villa most corners in each, each half and Villa most shots on target in each half and this was a price of 200 to 1 and over 80 80 Betfair customers backed it and uh, and, 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 managed, and managed to cash it for kind of a, wow. a at a big price but again that's a selection against Man City that just doesn't win do you know what I mean as the price indicates um, so yeah, just again show, shows how kind of dominant Villa, Villa were one thing like things are again I really liked from last night I only watched the highlights because I said I was watching uh, 
was watching I was I was watching United beat Chelsea mainly, but how Villa tar- <laughs> He had Villa- to get that in there, didn't he? I had to just yeah. mention that, yeah. I was just, I thought it was interesting. It seemed like Villa were really targeting Hosco Guardiol with Leon Bailey. I think that we kind of again that's that was something in the Chelsea game. Chelsea kind of exposed Guardiol's kind of maybe lack of pace and kind of just maybe lack of comfort in that in that kind of fullback position. Um and Bailey is a bit of he's a bit of an inconsistent, frustrating player. But one thing he does is he gets shots on goal. He's averaging the same shots per 90 as, as Ollie Watkins, and he's just below him in terms of shots on target per 90. But you're getting him at like 13 to 10 here for shot on target, whereas Watkins is much shorter. So I think that's, especially if you're playing bet builders, I, I, I like Bailey to have a shot on target. Now, we know injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So you've now got 90-minute payout to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands. Your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbegambleaware.org. Let's take it to Brighton against Burnley. Brighton, uh, I think, Stinch, really interesting because they've got this balance to strike, haven't they, between Europe and the Premier League, but they've got to feel that they're the heavy favourites against Burnley for a reason, because Burnley, even though they smashed Sheffield United, haven't done well against anybody else. Yeah, it's an interesting one, because I, I said in pre-season that I thought Burnley would be absolutely fine the way they took the championship by storm last season. Um, I think they've had a bit of a an issue with a big turnover in players and still waiting for them to, to settle down. But it, it is concerning the amount of games that they, they are losing. However, having said that, I don't want to be back in Brighton at odds of uh, 1.5 as we we know the volatility you get with Brighton. So what's the obvious bet, Kev? Shall we, shall we back goals in Brighton? Goals, goals, game? goals. That's the way. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it's easy, but... <laughs> It does seem a bit easy. Um, That's the kind of sustainable edge you're always talking about, right? If you find something, then until it erodes, you just keep on with it, right? Yeah, I mean, we were back in over 2.5 a lot um, in Brighton matches. And now we've got the increase in goals in in the Premier League. You can't really... That's not really a backable price anymore. Over 2.5 goals is one to two. Um, but it, but if you can get the opposition to to contribute or both teams to contribute, um, the price boost is significant up to 1.8. So I think it's really, it is really worth um, delving in um, to that angle in order to to, to make the, the bet pay rather than having to back like over three goals. And if it's the same outcome, for example, as it was Brighton v. Brentford with 2-1, you, you only get your money back. You don't actually get a winner. And, you know, that's what we're, we're in it for, to, to, to win. And, you know, given the fact that both teams have scored in Brighton's last 19 games, you know, it's half a, <laughs> half a Premier League season. That's just... That's, that's, that's just wild, isn't it? That's just ridiculous. I can't wait for them to, to play Sheffield United and they get a clean sheet. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah I mean it's just it, I just think it's just an obvious no-brainer um, in terms of like goal averages Brighton averaging nearly four goals per game in their 15 matches 3.93 59 goals uh, Burnley's and not too far less, to be honest, 48, which is 3.2 per game. You look at just pure over stats, 12 of Brighton's 15 over 2.5, 10 of Burnley's 15 over 2.5. And I just think with Brighton's injuries and suspensions and inconsistency, um, 
it just adds an additional volatility. Um, so yeah, really, really easy bet again. Brighton game over 2.5, both teams to score 1.8. We mentioned Sheffield United there. Liverpool won 2 0 away to the Blades. It wasn't the easiest victory against Chris Wilder's Sheffield United now, but they got the job done. But Joel Matip, as we know, is out long term. And Emmett, it just seems to be injury after injury, not just for Liverpool, but for a whole host of clubs. I mean, you look at Newcastle, they've got an entire team missing at the moment and Liverpool have been hit hard. Yeah, exactly. I think with injuries, it's always, it's hard to say kind of causation because like there's, there's a lot of randomness there and uh, but but it, it does it does seem anecdotally that at this stage of the season there are more teams having serious serious crises. Like, again, it could be random. It could be the extra Premier League minutes. It could be fixture congestion. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I think yeah, I think Liverpool are probably have been relatively lucky, I'd say, compared to some of the other kind of bigger sides. But yeah, it is starting to kind of hit them a bit. Alexis McAllister kind of went off with a knock during the week as well. Um, I'm. I kind of I have a few fair few Liverpool fans in my life. Whenever we ever ask them about their kind of title chances. They, they, they kind of they, they aren't that convinced, and I'm I'm probably uh, having backed them having, having having backed them for the league. I, I'm I'm a bit more positive, but just they, there's definitely a frailty to them. If you look at their underlying, especially away from home, yeah, exactly. And their underlying defensive numbers, like they're kind of they're closer to kind of Brentford and Everton than they are to the kind of top three of um, Arsenal, Newcastle and Man City. That kind of holding midfield position is still a kind of obviously a weakness with Klopp clearly not really trusting with Tara Endo to play every game and then playing Alexis McAllister holding midfield, which is kind of not really his natural position. So they just, there is that is that vulnerability vulnerability to kind of counter attacks there. And it'll be interesting to see if they address that in January. But for this game specifically, I think we're kind of you can play that maybe slight defensive frailty into our favour because I do fancy Liverpool to win this match. As I kind of mentioned in the last podcast, I think kind of Roy Hodgson's not that far from the sack for Crystal Palace again. If I think if Liverpool if Liverpool win well uh, at the weekend, I think again I I, w- I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if if, if he went the week after. I think, uh, but 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 I think if, if we see here Liverpool around one sixty three ish for them for them to win the match, but you can boost that to close to close to two to one for them to win at both teams to score. Both teams to score have, have has happened in seven of Liverpool's eight away matches. They have had some hard fixtures there, but like they 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 also conceded and played kind of tr- tricky games against kind of Luton and Wolves. So I think they like while Liverpool might make life difficult difficult for themselves, I still expect them to come out on top, maybe in kind of a maybe a kind of a 3-1 type win but Liverpool to win about both teams to score looks a decent price let's take it to Spain Villarreal against Real Sociedad Villarreal uh, going to have the hands full here Mark because Real Sociedad have been one of the most exciting teams to watch in Spain and not just this season but for quite some time yeah, absolutely. And they're getting plenty of positive press, uh, and rightfully so, because of the, the youth system uh, surrounding the club and the amount of players who have come through the system who are now making their way into the first team and having a massive impact on that side. Um, obviously, the head coach, Imanol, has been through it as well. So um, there's a, a very much a, a local feel uh, about Real Sociedad so far this season. And they've been a, a thrill to watch for the most part, as they were, as you say, last season. Um, it's great to see them sort of sustaining themselves in that top four race yet again in La Liga 
Liga. Um, and yeah, this is going to be a, a tricky game for Villarreal, who were involved in Europa League action in midweek. Uh, they made plenty of changes in fairness. Um, lastly, you know, sort of resting and rotating his team to play that game against Maccabi Haifa, which ended 0-0. But um, expecting that the big guns to come back into the fold for this match and uh, expecting a strong performance from Villarreal too, in fairness, who have been very much below par throughout most of the campaign. But from what I've seen of Marcelino since he's come back to the club, there has been a, an uplift. Um, they were clinical. They were very efficient and good against Osasuna, winning 3-1. And they really should have beaten Sevilla away last weekend, that match ending 1-1. Um, it does mean now, though, that uh, Villarreal has seen both teams score in 13 of their 15 La Liga matches this season, which is a, an 87% hit rate. Not quite Brighton levels, but not far off it. And incredibly sort of strong in terms of a, a La Liga outfit for BTTS. All eight Marcelino's of the home not going to put up with that for long, Mark. <laughs> he, he's not. It's not It's not his kind of football. But um, the, the early early signs suggest that um, he's not quite got things spot on defensively. And, you know, if you look at their eight home matches this season, all of them have seen BTTS it's 1.8 for a repeat here um, and that's a big price not just considering those figures uh, but just the fact Real Sociedad have seen it land in 10 of 15 5 of 7 away um, and if you look at the two teams records together they've played 30 La Liga games they've scored together in 27 of those 30 and managed to six clean sheets between them so of course, most of these matches, or all of them, came actually came under previous management for Villarreal, but their results against the top eight this season, 1-2, 3-4, 1-3, 2-3, 1-2, They've lost all of them, but they have been quite competitive and very much entertaining in the majority of them too. So uh, if you look at Real Sociedad, um, they've only failed to score once on their travels and in six of their seven matches against the bottom half, which is where Villarreal are right now, BTTS has landed. So expecting goals, expecting entertainment, and I think I've got through that segment without calling Real Saucy Dad, just Saucy Dad, which I know Good. a lot of people understandably get their knickers in a twist over. So, um, can't be doing um, that. Call them La Real, <laughs> you can call them Real Saucy Dad, you yeah. can't be calling them Saucy Dad. See, I, I'm not as militant as a, as some people are, maybe you are Kev, but um, <laughs> yes. I think it's a, an understandable <laughs> error to make, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Don't want the Basques coming for you. Absolutely not. Uh, Stinch always likes to pop in on Notts County and see how the Magpies are getting on. They've got a game uh, against Walsall. Stinch, they're good fun, Notts County. Although the other day, I'd be lying if I said I knew which the game was. They gave away some of the worst goals I think I've ever seen in my entire life. What on earth happened yeah. there? Yeah, I think it was the FA Cup, right? Um, I forget who they were playing. I think it might have been lower league. Um, but yeah, they just messed about ridiculously with it at the bat, right? Um, I know they had some... They conceded the same goal about three times. It, <laughs> yeah. it probably looked like, uh, well, it looked like worse than Sunday League, didn't it? Uh, oh, Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, actually. So from the league above. But I think Notts County were, were faves, which just just goes to show like they're, how good they are, they are, but how bonkers they also are at the same time. Yeah, um, take a lot of risks, I'm, don't they? Yes, I'm hoping. Um, I always, I mean, we say this a lot. I think we say this every season, both myself and Mark particularly. We don't like to bet on cup games because yes. you can't quite quantify the motivation, even if you play the strongest team, for example. And I think if you ask most Notts County fans or management, their priority would definitely be for promotion this season. So um, would never read too much into that, into the result. But certainly, yes, we know um that they do like to take a chance and that that risk versus reward is quite mad isn't it that you know you look at uh Burnley for example they lost 1-0 against Wolves which you could argue is a bit of a six-pointer it came from stupid 
pl- trying to play it out from the back. Like it's 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 crazy that teams think that oh yeah, if we if we beat the press, we'll definitely score a goal. That seems to be their logic sometimes. The way they think that well, that's very fashionable no, the, now, though, isn't it? I know it's that's very fashionable, it, but yeah. it doesn't. The it you know like Jack Grealish, for example, being um, flagged off, not flagged offside, but the ball being called back for a free kick. Like the way people were going on, as if like Grealish had an open goal. Um, you know, beating the press and having the ball on the halfway line does not guarantee you a goal. But the 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 giving the ball away on the edge of your own area is surely a higher percentage chance that the opposition scores. So yeah, it's crazy that uh, that clubs will will take the risk. I mean, I watching the end of the the back end of uh, Liverpool v Sheffield United, Virgil Van Dijk generally will like to bring the ball down, play a calm pass, but. There were times last night where he was happy just to head the ball out for a, a throw-in yeah. in, in the defensive half. And you, I think at times you, you need to have some of that logic about about yourself. Um, but the, ultimately, with the lower down the leagues you get, it's not necessarily the quality that lessens, but it's the consistency. And uh, that's something that uh, we've definitely seen with, with Notts County. Their second top goal scorers in the division with 42 goals in 20 games but they've got the third worst defence with 36 goals conceded. And that just encapsulates them perfectly. Um, they're four to seven to win, which again tells you how highly the market rates them. Remember, they are a newly promoted team, but they're rated as one of the favourites to, to, for promotion. Um, so essentially very, very straightforward. But again, not to count it to win and both teams to score at two to one. If you kind of break it down, what 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 do we need to happen for that to win? We need Notts County to win at four to seven, and we need Walsall to score. Walsall to score is two to five. Um, this is not obviously how you price this market up, but if you multiplied those two together, you get six to five. So you can immediately see the attractiveness from going from four to seven to two to one. And then if you look at the fact that uh, Notts County have won eleven games this season, nine of them have been without a clean sheet, and at home, uh, particularly strong one eight. Drawn zero, lost two, and both of those defeats came against the top four in Wrexham and Mansfield. And seven of those eight wins at home saw both teams to score. Uh, Walsall languishing in uh, down in 19th and have already lost 4-2 at Wrexham at 2-1 at Mansfield. So again, I think that gives you a bit of a template of as what might happen from their perspective. Um, it is worth noting they're the fourth lowest scorers in the division. But they're still averaging over a goal a game. And, and we know League Two is quite heavy for goals. Um, so on everything we know, it certainly feels like you can sort of start the score almost at 2-1 to Notts County and, and see where it goes. So, yeah, I just think it's worth risking uh, Notts County instead of 4-7. to seven, Get them at 2-1 to one, given the way they play. Yeah, it's an attractive leap. Uh, let's go to Italy. Inter, for my money, the best team in Serie A by quite some distance. Uh, they face Udinese, Emmett. What's, they just seem really ruthless. I mean, I know we talk about Lautaro a lot. Marcus Turam, I'm amazed by just how good he's been. He's a good player, no doubt about it. Watched him for a long time, but it's the consistency that has taken me by surprise. And they've just got such depth in that squad as well. Jan Zommer looks pretty good since he's gone there the odd mistake here and there but generally very strong I mean I know Juventus pushing them quite hard at the moment but they look streets ahead of everybody else to me definitely I, I, I listened was listening to um James, James Horcastle was saying they're probably the best Italian side since the kind of Juventus team that reached the Champions League final and were beaten by kind of 
probably absolute peak Cristiano Ronaldo, I would say uh, at that at that point, and it does feel that way. I think I think as well, just I think probably if you're looking back at the summer signings, getting Marcus Thuram and a free transfer is incredible. Like if like if you if he if if they put him up for if interest say were in financial problems and put him up for auction in January, like he'd be you'd have to think he'd be in around fifty million maybe ish given given his yeah. age. Like he wouldn't be far off that anyway. So I think and as well like. They've they've kind of gotten back what they had with um with kind of Lukaku and Martinez when kind of both strikers are making each other better. Like Ed and Jacko scored goals from last year, big goal, kind of big goals and big games. But I don't think he really made Martinez better. Whereas I think which I which I think is clearly the case at the moment. Like the well, he's always thrived with a partner, hasn't he? Because exactly. if you looked at when Lukaku was really, really good for them and they had that Conte team that, that won the Scudetto, those two, that Lula partnership was sensational. Exactly, yeah. So Lukaku, again, people might think think back to his United days, think that he was just a one-track kind of goal scorer, one-track pony goal scorer player. But he, at Inter, he really evolved. And we just never saw that player at Chelsea just because the way they played and just for other reasons. But he he he, re, he used to get, he was getting double-figure assists when he played at Martinez. And similarly, this season, Martinez is a kind of a significant margin ahead in the Serie A golden boot race with 13 goals. But four of those goals have been assisted by Marcus Thuram at the top kind of goal scorer assist combo in, in, in Serie A. And Martinez is, is, is the way I'm looking for a bet here. Yeah, he's just been dominant, kind of, yeah, kind of heading for potentially kind of 30 Serie A goals this season, which, which would be a serious feat. He's six goals at Olivier Giroud and, and Dominic, Dominic Obrardi in, in, in second place. His XG under, underlying numbers back up that kind of he is finishing well, but he's also, he's also getting, getting in the right positions. And it's an ideal opportunity for, for him to add to that tally against Udinese. We're, we're into our two to nine favourites. I think five to six is very solid bet and score any time and I, w- I definitely have a smaller bet on uh, him to score two plus at four to one as well let's take it to Germany but not the Bundesliga no Marco is not messing around with that he wants to go to Bundesliga two he wants to go to Hanover against Karlsruhe Marco Hare why uh, because Hanover to score over one and a half goals is is 1.91 and I think that's a, a great bet actually for Friday evening in the second tier. Um, Hanover have been a little bit erratic of late. Um, they're five points off the top three. They've got a good opportunity to close that gap in this particular match because Karlsruhe are just a point off the bottom three. They've managed just four wins all season uh, but the focus here has to be on goals. Uh, the underlying numbers as well as the actual goal outputs are very strong. In this particular area, Hanover have scored over one and a half goals in six of their seven home matches so far this season. The only match in which they failed to do so was when they hosted Hamburg, who have had uh, a very good season by their standards. Um, I'm sure it'll all unravel. You know it's going to go wrong in April. (laughs) Um, But yeah, if you you include away games, uh, Hanover have covered this mark in 10 of 15 games this season. They're averaging 1.87 goals, which is very, very strong. And Karlsruhe have managed just two clean sheets all season, conceding 1.73 goals per game on average. But when they've played away, they've conceded multiple goals in five of seven, allowing 1.77 XG per game on average. They've actually conceded twice or more in seven of eight when facing the top 10 across all venues and they've leaked at least twice in nine of 15 overall including four of the last five so um, I think there'll be goals in this game and Hanover should get the the bulk of them so I thought 10 to 11 to score twice or more looked very attractive Lovely stuff If you don't know this by the way Bundesliga 2 on a Friday night is 
top. Lots of goals, lots of chaos. Uh, the Hamburg derby recently between Hamburg and St. Pauli had one of the best own goals you will see in a long, long time. Daniel Hoya Fernandez take a bow. It's well worth checking out. Uh, let's take you back to England. Peterborough against Oxford Stinch. What have you got for us? Yeah, huge class at the, the top of uh, League One. Fifth place Peterborough hosting third place Oxford. Yeah, Peterborough 8-11, to 11, which uh, feels a bit short to me. Um, yeah, Peterborough top in uh, League One for expected goals, but Oxford are top for the fewest expected goals against, and they concede the second fewest shots. So I think the opposition can frustrate here. Um, you look at Peterborough against the, the top six so far this season, zero wins, two draws, two defeats. And if you look at Oxford against the top half, seven wins, two draws, zero defeats. And versus the top six, two wins and one draw. And they've already won at Stevenage, Derby and Barnsley, Oxford. So I think the 8-11, to 11, it feels too short to me. And I think it's that kind of sort of proves it in a way. And I just thought it was, you look at um, Peterborough in this fixture last season, which was in April, um, so towards the, the back end, Peterborough were 10-11. to 11, And that's when Peterborough were going for the playoffs and Oxford were fighting relegation. Um, so again, the 8-11 feels a bit too short to me. That finished 0-0 and I could envisage something similar if Oxford do frustrate them. And uh, Oxford only lost two of the last six trips to London Road. So yeah, Oxford double chance at 10-11, to 11, uh, essentially laying Peterborough here. Well, now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so famous that Stinch, every time he leaves the house in Malta, gets bombarded with inflatable pool toys from fans. If you just look <laughs> in the camera there, you can just see in the corner some of them for our viewers. He has now 7,549 lilos. He's got 2,354 inflatable swans and over 10,000 inflatable donuts. You can just see there. It really is quite the collection. How it works is each of these guys comes up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action. And lovely traders like Emmett here wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. I will start with Emmett. <laughs> He's showing us, by the way, see, if you watch this show, you get bonuses here because Stinch has just shown us a lovely parasol that he's obviously been given as well. Uh, Emmett, take it away. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's making, making us all jealous here. and Yes. <laughs> thinking of going on Skyscanner and trying to get away from the cold in Ireland. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, for, for the travel, it's unusual to pick a goal scorer for this, but I'll go with Arturo Martinez to score. He's probably my strongest fancy this week of, 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 of any of the selections. Yeah, sounds good to me. Mark? Uh, BTTS, Villarreal and Real Sociedad. Lovely stuff. And Stitch. Yeah, both teams have scored Brighton v Burnley, considering both teams have scored in Brighton's last 19 Premier League games. <laughs> it's 8-13, to 13, so seems quite nice to put into a treble. It can't be the one that ends the run. We do not want <laughs> to see that. Uh, now, this is all ballast for some of you. You're like, you just get on with it, please. Just get through the show. <laughs> what we want to get to is Marco Hare's Scott Watch. Escort watch. Mark, the floor is yours. Uh, okay, we're going to look at the um, the championship game between Queen's Park and Inverness. I'm happy to oppose Queen's Park here. They've only won three games all season in the championship, and all three wins arrived in their first three games of the championship season. So 
they are winless since August, which is a 10-game sample now. And they've actually conceded at least two goals in eight of those 10 games as well. Um, so, yeah, they haven't won since August at home, uh, conceding 12 goals in the last five. Um, they have the worst defence in the second tier. I just think they're very much opposable, considering those numbers when they're playing an Inverness team who are heading in the right direction under big Duncan Ferguson, who was um, given the gig at the Forest end of September. Forest Green legend. Forest Green <laughs> legend, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's lost just once in seven um, since arriving. That came last time out against Wraith Rovers, but, you know, absolutely fine. Wraith Rovers are flying. They're second in the league. That's understandable. And the manner of the defeat will have hurt. They were leading 1-0 uh, going into the final five minutes, conceded an equaliser and then a penalty deep into stoppage time. So um, a very solid effort overall, despite the results. And they've scored and six of seven. They've even been to runaway leaders, uh, Dundee United, and picked up a one-all draw. They've also held fourth place on Thermalin away and third place Partick uh, under his tutorship. So, you know, I think they've got the capability to go to Queen's Park and get a result here. But um, we can back them uh, double chance and over one over 0.5 goals, which I'd say not 1.5. Inverness double chance and over 0.5 goals. Uh, at four to five. So we're effectively backing them to avoid defeat and hope the game doesn't end nil-nil and we'll get paid. So, um, yeah, quite keen to be with Inverness Cali Thistle. Um, in terms of Culture Corner, we've covered both clubs previously, but um, I think it's probably worth noting in this segment that last week, Queen's Park's director of football, uh, Marion Buker left his role to take up the same position at Ajax. And um, I'm just not sure I've ever heard <laughs> ah, of anyone. That well-worn path <laughs> yeah. from Queen's Park to Ajax, yes. I'm not sure I've ever heard of anyone being headhunted from the Scottish Championship to one of Europe's biggest clubs. Uh, but desperate to hear if anyone's heard of anything similar happen previously. I know Queen's <laughs> Park are quite an ambitious club and you know they voted to go professional a few years back, having famously been amateur for their entire history. But... <laughs> Uh, Buca was given a, a 10-year contract when he joined the club. Um, he was two years into that 10-year deal before Ajax came in. Um, oh, in fairness, where's the was... loyalty? Where is the loyalty? <laughs> he was head of football development and strategy with RZ before moving to Queen's Park. So I guess it's not a huge stretch, but just an amusing career path, really. Um, his fellow countryman, Robin Veldman, is the current head coach of Queen's Park. He replaced Owen Coyle at the end of last season. He's feeling the heat due to the, the poor form in the league position. Uh, this is a team who finished second last season and missed out on the playoffs, on promotion via the playoffs. Um, but their chief executive, Leanne Dempster, has basically made no secret of her desire to reach the premiership. So uh, pressure is on him. But uh, yeah, that's the that's Inverness Cali Thistle um, going away to Queen's Park. And uh, I'm not sure whether to sort of drop this here or, or not, but probably a bit of a bombshell moment. I'm... Um, so apologies, Kev, but I am considering retiring Scottwatch after Christmas. What? Um, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, Is this like kind of carp monthly kind of thing when people have magazines like that and you're thinking, are there any famous carp? What's going on? Do we have a light celebrity carp? That kind of, are you running out of ideas? Is this what it is? Yeah, yeah. Like we've covered them most of the clubs across all the leagues. It's getting really <laughs> hard to find entertaining content or, or even tourist advice. Um, so, Have you told um, the SNP about this? Because this is big, because this is going to really affect the Scottish economy. Well, I'll, I'll put it out there. If the listeners are demanding more and if you want more, then, then of course, uh, Colgy Corner is a, is a labour of love. But um, I feel like I've exhausted most of the most kind of interesting tales and, and tidbits. Okay. But um, I'm happy to plough on for now um, and we'll reconsider at Christmas time. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you can see, I, I've been struggling for content to cover Queen's Park and Inverness this <laughs> no, week. No, I love that. I thought that was great. Right. If you want to save Scott Watch, it's down to you people. 
right? All, all of you, yes, you listening or watching, it's down to you. You need to flood in with responses saying, no, we need to save Scott Watch or just let it slowly degrade. We shall see. <laughs> uh, that's sadly all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, we've got the Sunday show coming up. Lots of uh, excellent tips in that. Don't just be a dweeb and just listen to the Saturday show. You need to check out the Sunday show as well and be one of the cool kids. Uh, our mail bag section is coming up make sure you keep sending in your questions for the guys we're going to collate them all and then over the next few shows we'll go through them so keep on with that you can either comment below or you can uh, contact us on our social media channels at betfair and of course all of our shows now on betfair's new youtube channel for non-racing content so make sure you like and subscribe from stinch from mark from Emmett, and from me it's goodbye for now